Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. God's Word, Acts 16, uh, verse number 11, Acts 16, verse number 11, I want to say thank you to those who cooked and prepared food and then and those that worked so hard in the fellowship hall yesterday uh, for the graduation of Life Challenge and uh, as Miss Lindsay and Miss Kelly graduated very prayerful for them. You continue to pray for those ladies. Uh, they've got uh, many, uh, many uh, struggles, trials, and days ahead. But church, we appreciate you being such a part of that day yesterday and helping out in such a great, great way. Last Sunday morning, we preached uh, we preached a message on hell. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, I pray that uh, that has changed your prayer life this week. I pray that uh, you have been uh, more. Uh, diligent and more concerned about the lost people you know in your life than you ever have been. We we live in the last days. Listen to me. Somebody told me the other day, they said, yeah, well, said my uncle was saying that way back when I was a kid. I've heard that all my life. The Bible, the Bible addresses that. Uh, certainly so. Uh, we've heard it a long time. But there's things happening today that have not happened in any other time in history. And buddy, she's about to wrap up. Uh, and if a man, woman, or a boy or girl is ever going to be saved and born again, then it needs to be today. It has to be today. You may never have another chance. Now, God made some promises to Israel uh, years and years ago. Uh, God made some promises to Israel that he was going to bring them back into the land and that he would restore them physically, and then one day there will be a spiritual restoration to Israel. They're going to turn to Jesus as their Messiah and as their Savior. That's coming. Uh, but something happened the other day, last week, somebody already mentioned it, that's never happened in, before. Uh, and uh, we know Israel has been formed as a nation. 1948, that all began. Uh, but the other day, uh, the prime minister stands up and he makes a public appeal to all of the Jews in the world that if you want to come home, our borders are open to you. We've got $46 million set aside to bring you home. Now, friends, listen to me. When that happens, when that publicly happens, that tells me we are at the door. Amen. Time is winding up and about to close up. If a man's going to be saved, he needs to be saved and he needs to be born again today. And I want us to think about something. I want us to think about the, 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 the stirrings of the Spirit in salvation. The stirrings of the Spirit in salvation. And we're going to read a text right here. And this is of a concern to me, and for those of you that have been in this church for years and years, uh, it may sound like the same message I've preached before. Uh, I may sound like a broken record, uh, but my heart has always been for the church. Now, I know some preachers are called to preach, and they get a real zeal for evangelism, and they go door to door, and they go uh, store to store, and they stop people on the streets, and... And, uh, and they just witness one-on-one to lost people. And I'm all right with that. I believe the Bible's commanded us to do that work. 
Uh, but my heart has always been for the church because I believe that in these four walls of our Baptist churches uh, that there are people today who have settled and sunk into religion uh, and they know nothing of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We've got a bunch of people today who are not bad people or evil people. They're good people, but all they do is, is they only know about God and they don't really know God in an intimate, saving, personal kind of relationship. And so my concern is for the church. My concern is for people who got up this morning uh, and put on church clothes and cleaned themselves up and come to the house of God and have made an appearance and they know the routine, they know the pattern, they know the habit, and they know all about God that I'm going to preach about. They're not God deniers. They would not shake their hand. They would not shake their fist in the face of God. Uh, They are not rebels at heart. Uh, They are good people in society who will readily acknowledge that there is a God in heaven. Uh, They would readily acknowledge the truths of God's Word that God made the heavens and the earth. They would readily acknowledge on Easter that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died rose again, good people that would acknowledge all of these things, but they have never been born again. They've never had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's my burden, and and hear what I'm about to say, and let's get this on tape so it's not mistaken. I'm not telling anybody that you have to be saved twice. You can't be saved twice. You're only saved one time, and that's it. And if I can talk you out of that one time, then you never had it to begin with. Because you're not going to talk me out of what I got one time long ago at 825 Pigeon Street. You won't convince me otherwise. I've said it before. You might convince me to start driving a Chevrolet truck. You might convince me to change my favorite fishing lure. You might convince me to change the type of gun I deer hunt with. You can, you can change my mind on all of that, but you can't talk me out of my salvation because I know what I got. So if I can talk you out of it, you never had it the first time. You can only be saved and born again one time, and that's it, my friend. That's it. You can know for sure that you've been born again. It's in this book that we can have that assurance. Uh, And then listen to me. Uh, I'm glad that when I'm saved, God wraps me up and seals me in His grace. If I could have got unsaved, I'd have been unsaved a long time ago. Uh, But you can't climb out of somebody who's got you in the palm of their hands, and with that palm, He scooped out the seven oceans of the world. You can't get out of a hand like that. So you're going to be saved one time. That's it. But there's people in the church that need to be saved. There's people in the church, I'll let you sit down just a sec. There's people in the church who have a form of religion. They've, they, they've got a, they know the externals. They maybe even have a love and a passion for the things they know about God. Inside their heart of hearts, there's never been a conversion experience. Say, preacher, how can that be? Because I've seen good people in churches when the pressures on them reveal what's really inside of them. That's where the rubber meets the road at. Not what you do on Sunday morning standing beside your church brother or sister. But when you're sitting out there and somebody wrongs you in the world or when you're sitting at home and you just get... Uh, you get mad, you just fly out. Listen, we've seen it over and over and over. There's fruit that comes from the tree of somebody that's been born again, and there's fruit from people who's not been born again. 
And religion will only carry you so far. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Scripture is full of what I'm about to tell you this morning. Let's look at this text right here. We're talking about the workings of God's Spirit. And the thing this morning is this. We as... And God is my witness, and this is the truth. We as preachers for the last few decades... We have been so wrapped up in growing the church, so wrapped up in numbers and so wrapped up in, in, uh, in being able to tell people that I preach and so many folks got saved. We've been so wrapped up in that that we've done everything we can do just to get people to slide into easy believism. Uh, and I mean, when folks will come to the altar, why, they could have been saved and born. We just see somebody kneel and we'll say, that brother got saved, that sister got saved, this one got saved. And we have deceived people right into false deception, believing they're okay when really they're not okay. There's, the, there's a necessary operation of the Spirit of God that must take place in our lives for us to be saved. Now listen to me. If you come to the altar, if you joined the church, if you went through baptism, if you've done all of that, but there was never the workings of God's Spirit in your heart convicting you, convincing you that you're lost, you need to be saved, and Jesus is the only way, then friends, you have never been born again. You must be convicted by God's Spirit. You must have that. It's essential to salvation. Without the conviction of God's Spirit, I can beg you and beg you to come, and if you come, you will not be saved. If you, without the conviction of God's Spirit, you can come because other people are being saved and you cannot be saved. You've got to have God's Spirit working in your heart, drawing you, wooing you, bringing you to the cross. Without that, a man cannot be saved. Jesus made that very clear. So look in Acts 16. Verse number 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course uh, to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Verse 13, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a river where prayer was wont to be made. The custom, they prayed in this certain spot. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted hither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. There's the Spirit. God had already opened her heart. And that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Understand this story about Lydia. And I'm going to preach very fast this morning. I am. But understand this story about Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She was on a business trip. Uh, she was probably kin, or she was probably relationally anyway, uh, near people who were royalty because that purple that, the, that, purple that she was a seller of it went to people that are in royalty. So she had these royal relationships. So here is this very religious woman. She's a businesswoman. She's a seller of purple. She probably uh, has relationships with people of royalty and of, 
uh, high-class bloodline. Uh, she's out of town on a business trip, uh, and she is seeking God. She believes in the God of this early church. She goes to a place where there's a prayer meeting. Now, let me explain this to you. If we have a big-name gospel group, there'll be a lot of people show up. Uh, if we have a fry bread supper, Brother David, there'll be even more people show up. Uh, but if we announce that tonight we're just going to have a prayer meeting and nothing else, just prayer, there'll only be a few people show up. But here's Lydia, uh, who is out of town, an out-of-town businesswoman, and in this town of her business in Thyatira, she finds where they're having church and where they're having a prayer meeting, and she shows up and goes. So she is very, very religious. And so the Bible teaches us uh, that she worshiped God. Uh, and not only did she worship God, the Bible says, uh, but, uh, but as she went to this place where prayer was to be made, her heart was open, she was looking uh, for uh, she was looking for more than what she already knew. Are you with me? Say amen. Now listen just a minute. The Bible is full of illustrations exactly like this woman Lydia. This woman Lydia, she was not saved at this time in this text, not as we're reading these first verses. Uh, so as an unsaved person, she was seeking God, uh, she was worshiping God at least as much as she knew about God, uh, and she was meeting in a place where prayer was to be made. No doubt she was trying her best to pray and join the other Jewish proselytes uh, in prayer, seeking the God of prayer. Now the Bible teaches about other people like this too. You need to hear me out. Search your own heart. The Bible teaches us about Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a ruler. He was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. Being a Pharisee, he held to strict religious customs. I, I mean, this is the man, he would, have been, he would have been dressed up when he went to church. He would have been there on Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meetings, work days, visitations. He would have called sick people. He would have helped the widows out. He would have given of his tithes and his offerings. That's who Nicodemus was. But Nicodemus was not, lost, was not saved. He was lost. He came to Jesus by night. He said, Jesus, I know that you're a good man, a good teacher. I, I know that nobody can do miracles unless he be from God. And that's when Jesus says, Nicodemus, verily, verily, a man must be born again or he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, I don't know what you're talking about. How can a man enter into, into his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus says, oh, Nicodemus, you don't know the workings of the Spirit. Because it takes the workings of the Spirit for a man to ever see God and to know God. You've got to have the Spirit of God in your life. And you know what I think's happened, Brother Johnny? I remember those days when I was a kid and in church around here in these mountains. I remember how that the services would break out. And I remember how that the preachers, they would go back and they would really, what I remember, they would go back and they had badgered people back in the back of the church or the, uh, wherever at that they knew was lost. And they would badger, I mean publicly, just walk right back there and get in your face and plead with you and plead with you. And you know what I think's happened many times in those cases. I believe that man brought men and women to the altar rather than the Spirit of God bringing men and women to the altar. 
And then these preachers stand up and act prophetic because they know a lost person sitting there and they'll say, dear young man, God told me that there's a young boy with jeans and a black shirt on and he's lost and he needs to be saved. You need to go ahead and, and come on down and then that boy will come on down or that man will come on down and that preacher's done nothing but bring somebody to the altar with his own accord and with his own voice instead of the Spirit of God drawing a man. And so here's Nicodemus, if Nicodemus was here today. Now listen to me, if this is the story of Nicodemus, how shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? Nicodemus, he would have been the pastor of the largest Baptist church in town. This is his credentials. He would have been the pastor of the biggest Baptist church in town. He would have been the, he would have been the president of the lead Southern Baptist seminary in America. Uh, he would have been to the mission field and lived a life there. I mean, he was topped out with credentials, but Nicodemus did not know God because he never had experienced the moving of God's Spirit. Amen. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, how can you be a ruler of the Jews? How can you pastor the church you pastor? You've never been born again. You don't even know the workings of God's Spirit. God's Spirit's working in you right now. Because just as Lydia, when Lydia went to that river to pray, now listen who she was. She wasn't a harlot. She wasn't a drug addict. She was out of an out-of-town businesswoman. But she went and found a place of prayer. She was going to pray with the other women that were there praying. Uh, and she worshipped God. But God had been working in her heart. And so I'm believing this morning in my heart that God's been working in your heart about eternity or about things to come to get you here today and to get you where you need to be. That's the Spirit of God working so that you can be born again, my friend. Nicodemus. Then there's the story of Acts chapter 8 of, of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The Lord, the Spirit, moves on Philip in revival and tells Philip, Philip, you need to leave revival and you need to go to the middle of the desert. And so Philip does that. Does it make sense? I, we're in a citywide revival and God wants me to leave. And so Philip does that. And when he goes to the desert, he finds an Ethiopian eunuch who has been to Jerusalem, number one, to worship. Now listen to me. Just because you come here to worship, that does not mean you're born again, my friend. Do you understand that? He's been to Jerusalem to worship. And number two, he was sitting and he was reading the Bible when Philip drove alongside of him. And, he, and Philip asked him, said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm reading and I'm reading in Isaiah. He's studying the Word. And Philip says, you understand what you're reading? He says, I don't understand what I'm reading. Would you, would you explain it to me? And so the Bible says that Philip began to preach to him from Isaiah 53. He began to preach to him about Jesus being as a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And he began to preach Jesus crucified and resurrected in the Bible. And, the, and, the, and they come to a place of water. And the eunuch says, what prevents me from being baptized right now? And Philip said, you just got to believe from your heart and you can be baptized. And the Bible says the eunuch believed in his heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was baptized. Do you see what I'm saying? Here we've got a picture of a man that's come to worship, a man that's reading an open Bible, but that man has not been saved or born again. And my friends, listen to me. He was lost, lost, lost until the Spirit moved on his heart and he was saved by God's grace. 
Somebody one time, I need to say this. Somebody told me one time, I was asking him about salvation, and here's what he said. He said, oh, I know I'm saved. I said, how you doing? He said, because when my grandpa was dying, he said he got me and my brothers and all my little cousins around the bedside. And he told us, he said, now boys, I want you all to be saved, so close your eyes and let's pray this prayer. And they all got around that bedside and they closed their eyes and they prayed this prayer and every one of them little fellas left there and I guess to this day they think they've been saved by God's grace. My friend, that was nothing more than just a magical chant prayed over those boys. Those boys, that grandpa might have had good intention, but let me tell you something, those boys had to come the way I come and the way the people that are here that are saved today come. They had to be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. They had to be convicted. They had to be wooed by the Father and drawn. And Jesus said, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw. They has to be a drawing inside of your heart. If you've ever been saved, if you've ever genuinely been saved, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about this morning, about being drawn by the Spirit. It's a courtship like I cannot describe. I mean that the Spirit of God gets your heart and just draws you and compels you until finally you have to yield and give in to the Lordship and Saviorship of Jesus Christ as yours and, 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 and you become His. And if you never have that drawing and that wooing and that leading, my friend, then you need to be saved today. Yeah. Now, friend, this is not... Uh, this, is, this is no... There, respecter of person or age when we talk about Lydia the businesswoman when we talk about Nicodemus when we talk about you, you may be here and you may be 17 years old and you may think that you've been saved but now that you look back listen to me there was no drawing of the spirit convicting of the spirit in your heart that you may be 77 in here this morning you may have been on this church roll all of your life you, my friend, listen to me, Grandpa may have laid the cornerstone for this building. He may have given the land for that cemetery. But let me tell you something, my friend. That won't get you to heaven. Somebody, I get so sick of hearing this, and I don't mean it irreverently, but lots of people will tell me, well, you know, I knew your grandpa, or I knew your great-grandpa, and I mean you, you come from some good people. Let me tell you what I come from. I come from a bunch of sinners saved by grace, and that same sin that was in their blood was in my blood, and now, thank God, since I've been saved, I've got a bloodline that'll get me into heaven, my friend. My mom and daddy's bloodline will get me straight into hell. But the bloodline of Jesus, when I got adopted in, that'll get me to heaven. And so you need to open your eyes. For some reason, I feel like I'm preaching this morning, and this is the last chance for somebody uh, to open their heart and to open their ears unto what God's saying about salvation. Lydia is, a, is she, just like that eunuch. That eunuch who went to church, that eunuch had, was reading the Bible, and they, he had never been saved. And so here's the story of Lydia, and I'm closing with this. Our, our, uh, uh, our musicians can come and get a hymn of, of invitation, but notice in this text, she's there for prayer. She worshiped God at least as much as she knew about God. And thank goodness the Lord had already opened her heart and prepared her, and when Paul began to preach, now we know what Paul preached, just read the book of Acts. He always preached Jesus and Him crucified and resurrected. He preached that air. So we know what He preached. And so He preached to Lydia and those by the river. And the Bible says that she was, 
She was saved by that. And some time had went by, obviously, because they later baptized her, and she was able to go home and lead the rest of her family to the Lord. Now, friends, listen to what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Listen good. And I don't care what the crowd outside the doors of these churches say, says. There's three scriptural examples of very, very religious good people who were lost and hell-bound. You understand that? Three scriptural examples. Lydia was one of them. She was worshiping God. She was worshiping as much as she knew. She, was in, she, she loved everything she knew about who could not love a man who is full of compassion? Who could not love the compassionate nature of God? Who could not love the merciful nature of God? Who could not love the loving nature of God? She loved all of those things that she knew about him, but she didn't know him. And let me tell you this. When you get there one day before the judgment of Christ, it doesn't matter how much you know about him. It doesn't matter how much you know about the custom of a Baptist church or the ritual or the routine. It doesn't matter how much scripture you know. But what's going to matter is, is has there ever been a convicting spirit in your heart showing you the need to be saved? And, were you, and then did you ask God to save you based upon that conviction? Do you know Him is the question that we're asking this morning. And so this morning, if there's somebody here... Well, you've never really been in church at all. You've never been exposed to the gospel at all. If there's somebody here like that and you just know you're lost and you're convinced that you're lost uh, and you need to be saved, well, this morning, for goodness sakes, you come. But there are people that are around you this morning sitting here who they are very religious, they are very good people. I'm not talking about hellions. I'm not talking about druggers or druggers or wife beaters. I'm, I'm not talking about liars and thieves. I'm talking about upstanding members of society, upstanding folks in the church, maybe even laborers within the walls of the church. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, some way or another, you got on the church rolls without ever having been convicted in your heart and without ever having a genuine salvation experience. And I don't know who you are, but you know this. If you're saved this morning, you know exactly what I mean when I speak of the Spirit dealing in your heart. You know exactly without me having to explain it at all. You know what I'm talking about. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you're a religious person, you're on the church rolls, you've been baptized, then you're going to know as well that you've never had the Spirit working in your heart. Salvation is much more than me just saying, oh yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Salvation is much more than me saying, yes, I remember when I was baptized. I remember how excited Mama was that day. Salvation is much, much more than me filling out a membership card on a communion table. Salvation is much more than somebody saying, well, I know you're saved because I was there. No, you wasn't inside of my heart. You couldn't possibly know. Only I know what happened inside of my heart. I know of a case or two where a mama has told a child, said, oh, son, I know you're saved. I was there when you were saved. You ain't got a thing to worry about. All while the son's evidence of the son's life says, no, not saved. 
So just because mama tells you so, that don't make it right. Just because daddy tells you so, that don't make, make it right. And I'm glad today my papa, who knew me better than anybody, he never once told me, son, you just got to get your life straightened out. I know you're saved, but you just got to get... He never said that. Because I think that he knew all along that I'd never had a genuine salvation experience. And so he never brought it up in that kind of way. He just knew that I needed to get it. And thank God that his prayers went up to heaven to where the Holy Spirit began convicting me and breaking my heart. I got miserable in my sin. And by the way, let me tell you something else. I got slapped scared to death. Man, I was afraid the devil was going to say boo and I'd fall over dead and die and go to hell. It troubled me. And it ought to trouble you because hell's a real place. Everybody wants to admit there's a heaven. But nobody wants to admit there's a hell. But a God of love wouldn't do that. You're exactly right. A God of love has made a way for you to be saved today. And if you go to hell, it won't be because God sent you there. But it's going to be because you rejected God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's why men and women die and go to hell. It's not being a wife beater, that doesn't send you to hell. It's not being a liar, that doesn't send you to hell. It's not being a drunkard, that doesn't send you to hell. But the one sin that's going to send you to hell is the sin of sins, and that's rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. See, all of those other things God can forgive you of when you go to Him, when you go to the cross in salvation. But if you reject one day, the Bible teaches this, one day God's going to stop knocking on your door. One day there'll never be another visitation from the Holy Spirit of God again. One day He's going to quit that courtship with you. One day God's going to take His hand off of you and He's going to stop pursuing you because you ran and you ran and you rejected and you rejected and that day will be the last day. That day will be the last straw. You'll never have conviction again. When you die, my friends, you'll die and go to hell. It's because you ran. If I come to your listen to me, if I come to your house, visit you I'm only going to stand and knock on the door for so long and I'm, I'm generally patient I'm not one of those one knock kind of people I mean if you got a doorbell I don't trust those things I'll ring that thing three or four times and then I'm going to open up the door if I can open it up and I'm going to knock on you I'll knock on your door your entry door I'll knock on the side of the house but somewhere along the way if you're not going to open the door I've got to stop knocking and I've got to turn and I have to leave. And, and dear friends, I, 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 it's, and I'll just be honest, I know it's out there, but I've not heard that being preached a lot. It, it, I'm sure there's faithful preachers telling that, but that's in the Word of God. My spirit will not always strive with man. That's right. God will only go so far with grace and mercy. Amen. Let me tell you something. He is a God of justice and judgment and holiness. I know that. But I want you to know as long as I stand in this pulpit, we were talking about hard preaching the other day, and, and, and I, I can tell you this, and you know that if I'm going to stand and preach you hard, I assure you uh, that I'm going to exalt the mercy and the compassion and God's pity on sinners. I'm going to exalt that above His justice and judgment every time because I believe God is full of grace. I believe God is full of mercy. I believe God brings tough truths to us so that the mercy and the grace of God will be magnified and that Jesus may be lifted up. But He is a God of justice and judgment. And when you try to slide out from under grace and mercy, when you refuse God's free pardon of sin, His free offer of salvation, my friend, when you reject that, when you deny that, when you run from that, 
And one day you'll slide out from under that and you'll meet God's justice and judgment face to face. Thank God I found grace and mercy in Him. Because I'm telling you, I deserve the justice and judgment side. I deserve the hell side of things. You hear me? It wasn't a relief. I was that rebel. God was merciful to me. I was 50. I was in a... I was in a Baptist church, saved, thought I was saved, and I was eight years old, and there so I was about 15 in a Baptist church, and you know what everybody thought about me? Oh, that good little Sedaris boy. He's such a charm. He's such a good little boy. Oh, he's making such a fine young man. Why'd they think that? Because I put on some church clothes and went to church every Sunday morning. And I knew how to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I never made a peep. I never cut up. And oh, they thought I was just the best little fella. But you let me tell you something. That was religion, my friend. That's all that was. I'd have went to hell while people thought I was being good. People thought I was just the finest young man they'd ever laid eyes on. If I'd have died, I'd have went to hell. So God convicted me, and I was 25 years old. 25 years old, I was a legally, I was, a more, I was an upstanding citizen in a, functioning job in society and I mean I had a good resume publicly speaking ethically legally I was just perfect doing what was right in those areas but God knew my heart I was a lost man and if you ask me where do you go to church I hadn't been there in years but I'd say well Baltimore Baptist Church that's where I go that's my home church Friend, do you understand that having a home church doesn't save you? It doesn't make you saved? Do you understand claiming a church does not save you? You can claim us all day long, my friend, but when you die, just claiming our name will send you straight to hell. And the only thing that will get you into heaven is if right here today, when you have opportunity, you claim the name of Christ. Amen. And the work of Jesus there on Calvary's hill. And I really don't think this morning that there's anybody here who, who is just, I don't think we have an atheist sitting in our church this morning. I don't believe that. Not a one. I, I believe I could probably make several statements about God. You'd agree with them wholeheartedly. Why, you're not going to reject You're not going to reject the truths about Him. You're good. If I had a flat tire, I believe, they, I believe everybody in this church would run out there to help me change my flat tire. I believe that's the kind of good people we got. If I got home today and I needed something in my house, I believe you folks are so good that I could call any one of you, and if you couldn't get there to help me, you'd make a phone call and send somebody to help me. I believe you're that good. But friends, listen to me. Our good works are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Goodness don't get you to heaven. Remember, there's two kinds of fruit on that tree in the garden. There's the fruit of good and the fruit of evil. And both of them will send you to hell just as quick as the other one. The lost man, the lost church member sitting on a church pew, he'll go to hell just as fast as the man, the lost man on the bar stool. In fact, the devil would soon take you to hell from right here as he had the bar stool. Because I could go to the sagebrush in Wayne's and slide up on a bar stool beside an old lost man on Friday night, and I could ask him. Heaven or hell, saved or lost. And that old man on the barstool is probably going to say, well, I know I'm lost. I'll go to hell if I die. But I can slide up beside the church member and ask him. He'll say, oh, no. Oh, I'm okay. 
I'm okay. Never had the workings of the Spirit in his heart to draw him to salvation. Simply signed a membership card. Simply come with a big group of people in Bible school. I know a man today that I believe with all my heart because God had me pray this way. Not only God had me pray this way, but two people at different times met me in this altar in the last year and told me God woke them up with that man on, my, on their mind praying for their salvation. I believe that man's lost today. But that man went to the altar one time in a meeting because about 70 other people, 70 other te teenage boys went to the altar. And he thinks he got saved because 70 other he went to 70 other I mean, Listen to me. It's personal with you. You've got to be drawn not by man, not by me, not by a song sung, not by a friend that's got up and come with you. You've got to be drawn by the Spirit of God. It takes God's Spirit to save a man. Here's Nicodemus, an example of a religious man. He's lost. Here's a eunuch who's been to worship and he's in the Word. He's lost. Here's Lydia, a businesswoman out of town. She goes and finds where everybody's praying to worship God. But she's lost till Paul preaches to her. She's saved and her heart's converted. Is this you this morning? Is it you? Nobody knows but you. Only you were there where you say you got it. And I'm not trying to make you question. Let's don't even go there. You won't make me question what I got. But do you have it? Were you convicted? Were you I'm not asking. Listen to me. I'm, you're not evil. I know that. There's not a satanic devil worshiper in this church this morning. I think you believe in God. I think you love the church. I think you love what you know about God. But the Spirit has never convicted you and you out of that brokenness have never been saved by God's grace. And you need to be this morning. Steve Reinhardt, preacher friend of ours, you may not know him if you're visiting with us today. Not so many months ago, he was preaching revival just across the North Carolina line in Tennessee. All week long, he went in at lunchtime to a local restaurant. Or maybe it was in the evening, I don't remember, but... He went in this restaurant and all week long. He had made he, he and the people that would eat with him. There was a 17-year-old girl there waitressing, and he made an appeal to her. Why don't you come to this revival we're having? Please come to this revival you're having. Why don't you come? Come to this revival. And she kept saying, I will, I will one evening this week. I will one evening this week. I will one evening this week. And he said on Thursday night at the end of the second week of that revival, two weeks this thing went on. At the end of that revival, th on a Thursday night, at the second week of that revival, he said she is off work on that night, and she is coming. She got ready to come to the meeting. She swung in CVS to pick up some cough medicine or cough drops or something like that. She got back in her car and pulled out of the intersection in front of CVS in that town that they were in in Tennessee, and she was killed in the car accident in that intersection. She was on her way. She was going to church. She was going to be there that night. She had good intentions. But she met God in eternity. Friends, you can have good intentions this morning, but they'll not get you to heaven. You can have good will, but it won't get you to heaven. You can love the church, but it won't get you to heaven. You can love what you know about God, but it won't get you to heaven. You can love that good book, my friend, just the love of that book won't get you to heaven. See, you've got to have what's in that book inside of your heart. You've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. You can be baptized, but that won't get you to heaven. You can really want to work and serve the Lord, but that won't get you to heaven. A man must be born again. You must believe inside of your heart. 
Jesus died for you and rose again. That's hard. No, that ain't hard preaching. I'm telling you, you can be saved today. I'm telling you, there's hope today. I'm telling you, you don't have to be deceived today. I'm telling you, you don't have to be empty on the inside today. I'm telling you, you don't have to doubt this thing today. You don't have to scratch your head and wonder today. I'm telling you, today can all be said. I'm telling today you can know that you know that you know that you've been saved and born again, and there'll not be no preacher talk you out of it. The devil won't be able to convince you otherwise. But my friend, this will be the day when, out of the conviction of your heart, you slid up under an old-fashioned altar and yielded to the Spirit of God to bring salvation your way. Today can be that day. Close your, close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm telling you, I look around and I, I do, Brother Bobby, I see some good people sitting in this church this morning. I mean some good people. But I'm going to tell you this. It'll take more than your goodness to get you to heaven. It'll take the righteousness of Christ in you. You'll have to be covered by the blood, saved, born again, because God's Spirit convicted you one Sunday morning. And you knew you couldn't resist any longer, but you knew you had to give in today, to yield today. And so what I'm going to ask you right now, I'm not asking for some wicked person to raise their hand. I'm not asking for a liar to raise his hand. I'm not asking for some rebel to raise. I'm not asking for a devil. I'm not asking for him. I'm asking you this morning as a good person who's here because you like this church, you've got good intentions, you love what you know about God. You're, you're, you love religion. A good person. I'm speaking to a good person this morning. And I'm about to ask you to look up and look me in the eye if this is you this morning. And you say, preacher, I'm that person. I'm good. I love religion. I love the church. My preacher, I've even been praying. My preacher at home, I study the Word of God. I open it up. But preacher, I have never been convicted in my heart that I was lost. I went to the altar one time in a Bible school service. Fourteen other kids got saved and they told me I saved too. A preacher, I went to the altar and joined the church. I signed a pledge card. I've been a member since I was a kid. Preacher, I've really never had the Spirit work in my heart break my heart over my lost condition. Preacher, you're just talking to me today, a good person. But I've just never yet accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I need to do that today. I want you to look at me right now, eyeball to eyeball, if that's you. Eyeball to eyeball, say, Preacher, I'm lost. I need to be saved. I'm going to go down to each pew, sir. Come right now. All right, come over here. Nobody else looking around. Nobody look around. Preacher, that's me. I want you to look at me. Preacher, I'm lost. I'm a good person, preacher, but I've never been convicted over my lost condition. I just went one day because I felt like I needed to do it because it's the right thing to do. Look at me eyeball to eyeball. Let me do this. Let me go down the left side of the church first. And just acknowledge to me that I'm the one that's the preacher. That's me. I've never been saved. I've never really been born again. And that's me. I'm going pew by pew down this left, my left. You're right. You just look at me eyeball to eyeball. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to call your name out. It'll be because you want to come. But look at me. I'm going pew by pew down this left side. You're right. Pew by pew. I don't see anybody looking on my left. You're right. 
I'm over here on the right side of the church. My right. And few by few, you just look me eyeball to eyeball. Say, preacher, I do. I, preacher, I do. I love everything I know about the Lord, and I love the church. I love God's people. Preacher, I try to pray, but really, there's been no conviction in my heart. I'm not saved. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I'm starting on my right. Well, few by few, you just look me eyeball to eyeball. Eyeball to eyeball. You just let me know. That's me. That's me. I've never been saved. My right, your left. I'm going few by few. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. Dear sir, you want to come? I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to come. God's dealing with it. Girl, sing. Somebody needs to come. Somebody still needs to come. Stand to your feet. Step out right now. And come. Imagine up in heaven. God is sitting on his throne. Anticipating another sinner. Will soon become his own. Lord's dealing with you. Years of wasted living. And years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir, sinner is saved, saved from the Spirit has been working to soften up a heart. All he needs is a willing vessel who will gladly do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there is that day? As a sinner bows his head to pray, can't you hear the Father say, go sound the horn, strike up the choir, a sinner is saved, saved from the God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner will soon become his own. Years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir, 
Like of the choir, a sinner is saved, saved from the fire, no more in darkness, he's received my son, all heaven rejoices, that's the value of 